0: Hello, my name is Drew Brumfield, and I'm here to talk about the classic sci fi slash horror films Alien and the appropriately named sequel Aliens. Alien was originally directed by Ridley Scott in 1979, who you also may remember for directing the Blade Runner movie, and more recently, The Martian, starring Matt Damon. Aliens, its sequel, was directed by James Cameron in 1986, who you might know from the box office record breaking Avatar Titanic and arguably the best action movie ever, Terminator 2. The Aliens franchise has seen many ups and downs in its history. Sequels like Aliens 3 and Aliens Resurrection have been dull and lacking in originality, and the prequel series like Prometheus and Covenant, while I had good ideas starting out, lacked in, well, likable characters and a cohesive story. Now, Aliens was not the first to blend together the horror and sci-fi genres in films, but it was groundbreaking in both of its fields and in combining it. Uh, And you can really see that when you look at the tropes or motifs of both the genres. So that's what we're going to do here today, starting with the horror films, and probably starting with my least favorite trope of any any film, um, is in a lot of horror movies, traditionally characters are very... Well, they're very dumb. Um, a lot of people have credited this to just bad writing or uh, people getting lazy. But you might remember in many horror films when characters run from a monster or something, they trip over um, nothing, or a group of characters are know they're being hunted and make the Scooby-Doo decision of, let's split up so that they can all hunt us down and the killer, has an easier time of killing us all. Because that's the best idea. Uh, Aliens doesn't do this. It has actually very intelligent characters, which makes you relate to them more. You actually get attached to these people because they act and do what real characters would do. Uh, Specifically in Aliens 2, I remember I was re-watching these films with my cousin Randy, and uh, right after the big... Hive scene, where a majority of their crew and these military people are killed off, they die. Um, they finally make it out of the Hive. It was a very tense scene. And then my cousin Randy, of course, says, See, if I'm these characters, I'm in a ship flying up in orbit, and then I'm just nuking the whole planet. Not five seconds later, Ripley, who is played by Sigourney Weaver, says the line, We have to nuke the site from orbit. There is no other option. To our amusement, we laughed at that, but it does really emphasize the point that these characters are making decisions and they have justifications for these decisions that we would make if we were in this same scenario, um, which not only makes you relate to them more, but makes it harder when you see one of these characters die because you think, oh, well, I would have made his decision and now I feel his pain because I might have been in that same scenario. Another uh, common trope in horror movies is it's very common for a horror movie to have a female lead. Um, This can be seen in any of the um, Halloween films. The Scream movies have all female leads. Um, Friday the 13th, multiple of those movies. Um, But typically these female leads are the damsel in distress, a very helpless victim who can't really fend for herself, and whose only real purpose is just to run from the monster. Um, Aliens does something similar, except its female lead is a lot more stronger and a lot confident in herself. Um, Ripley, played by Segura Weaver, as I said earlier, is very passionate about what she does, but also very quiet, especially in the first act, if you remember... Uh, for those who've actually seen the movie, um, in the beginning, she isn't actually the leader in either of these movies. She is just kind of the background character. She doesn't say much, and she just does her job and lets other people. She only steps up to become the leader of the franchise and the leader of the group when she sees that that position is not filled, when there needs to be a leadership position that is done, which makes her a stronger character. She isn't... She isn't strong despite the fact that she's female. She just happens to be strong and a female. It doesn't. And that isn't typically seen in most, because in majority of movies, if the, if the lead female is strong, they have to point it out. They have to bring it up constantly that, I'm doing this despite I'm a girl, which obviously, in my opinion, brings back the stereotype of women are weak. But you're the exception. Ripley doesn't do it. She doesn't even. A lot of times, not even brought up that she is a woman. At least in the first two, it does. That's not always the case in the future sequels. Uh, Moving into the sci-fi genre, a lot of tropes that a lot of tropes for the sci-fi genre have to do with its atmosphere, ironically, and the environment they're in. Space in movies like Star Trek or uh, even Interstellar or even Star Wars, uh, space is very like mysterious and like kind of a wonderful place. It's this big expansion that we haven't visited yet. It's this big unseen void that um, the best part of that is that we just need to look at it and just notice it and find all these amazing wonders. Uh, Alien's depiction of space isn't quite like that. Alien's depiction of space is cold, deadly, and merciless. It is a black void in the middle of nothing. Anytime a hatch is opened when it's not supposed to into space, it sucks out anything that's in there, rips it apart, and freezes it. Which is exactly what space is in real life. Um, and it gives this atmosphere that you are truly trapped on this spacecraft, especially in, in the first Alien, um... Because there's no way there's nowhere to go outside. it's just nothingness and death. and inside is a creature trying to kill you. So it's really no good options, which is a turn on its head of what typically space is viewed at is this big wide expansion that anything can happen. Um, another thing aliens does differently than typical sci-fi films is their the way they look at, How technology has advanced. In a lot of movies, technology is almost unrecognizable. It's basically a completely different world than the one we live in now. There's holograms, there's flying cars, everything is uh, screens or digital. You turn on the TV by thinking about it. But in Aliens, and it's partially due by the time frame of when this uh, came out, everything is dial-up, buttons... A million switches they have to deal with. Um, and it gives this world more. It feels more grounded, more realistic that everything has buttons and wires and cables and switches that you have to panel on and up again. Um, not only does it give it more realism for us, because that is most likely what a spaceship is like, is a million things that you have to keep track of, but it gives more realism to these characters that. They're not exactly scientists, they're not these um, infinitely smart characters, which is another trope of a lot of sci-fi movies, of these amazing scientists that know every question the world could ever ask. These characters are mechanics. What they know is this ship, they know how to operate it, but they have no idea how to deal with an alien life form, or a new planet, or anything of the such. Um... So, yeah, it just kind of gives this world a bit more realism. Makes it a little bit more believable so that you, know, you can see that, yeah, this probably is how technology, if we stay in the 70s, I can see how they would think that this is how this world, how our world will go to. Um, moving into tropes, let's talk a little bit about my favorite part of any film, is cinematography. The shots in both these movies are great to look at. Uh, It really gives you the sense that this is a giant ship, this is a dark void, and there is this unstoppable monster that is chasing you. Uh, In the first Aliens, similar to the movie Jaws, you don't actually see the alien until about an hour into the movie. I think maybe a little less, but it's around that time. It's a long time before you see the full Xenomorph chasing people. And when it's first shown, it's not... A big grand shot where it's right in front of the camera um, it's always hidden in the shadows just kind of staying right out of frame maybe you'd, before you would see shots of its tail maybe it's um, acid breath or acid saliva just spitting out of its mouth and then when you finally get it, it's your first real look at it it's shot um, in a way where the camera is very tilted down and you're looking up at it So it gives us this sense that this is a giant monster that's bigger than life. This way of shooting is referenced to um, horror and movies and the cognitive archaeology of primary metaphors written by Winters. It's an article that uh, describes these filmmaking techniques, and they refer to them as evil is down and evil is dark, referring to... How you hold the camera, you hold it down, looking up at something if you want to make it seem menacing, intimidating. And if you obviously want to show that it's evil, or that lurking in the dark, you shoot it in the dark. (laughs) Not the most complicated theory, but it's effective. Um, And then for... So that's enough about cinematography. Now let's move into their actual storytelling of these movies. And now we're getting into more the science fiction area, uh, specifically talking about the ethical questions that are brought up in a lot of movies. Um, so the one that Aliens kind of is, or the first Aliens is famous for, is how much is Discovery worth as a co- How much is Discovery worth if it costs human lives? Um, and these questions about ethics, Ethics um, are also brought up in the article Science Fiction and Human Enlightenment. Science Fiction and Human Enhancement. I'm sorry about that. Um, It talks about common themes about science fiction and ethical questions that it brings up. For Alien's case, um, it's really uh, shown off through the AI uh, robot that's on board with them of Ash. Ash is, uh, I believe they call him a synthetic in Aliens. Um, It's an AI robot, it has, at least this version, has no empathy, doesn't care about humans, only cares about its one mission. And it was sent by what can only be described as the company in the movie just to collect the alien. And that's pretty much primary sole motive, is to collect this alien and bring it back for study. Which leads to Ash actually sacrificing his own teammates to get this, to get this alien. And even when the team confronts him about it, it's like, so do you not care about us if we live or die? And Ash, of course, being a robot just repeats his primary objective of, I just want this thing. Because um, as a company, they don't care about these people's lives. They don't care about that. They care about the profit. And so that's a nameless company... That is talked about in the first Aliens movie, but it's personified in Aliens with the character Berkey. Berkey is a, uh, in the, in the movie described as a sleazebag corporate snob, uh, and after seeing after seeing all these people die in front of him, these Marines, these people who Decide to come with him to explore this place. Still, the only thing on his mind is money. Even at one point trying to sacrifice not only Ripley, but a small child that they found, Newt, so that he could make more of the aliens and bring them back to the world and make a million dollars off of them. And so that brings up the question that Aliens brings up of who is the real monster in this scenario. I can't, I'm not going to exactly quote Ripley's line because it's quite um, <laughs> vulgar. But after uh, they finally catch Bergie in the act and finally realize who he is, this uh, sleazebag who is only out for money, uh, Ripley does ask, I don't know who the real monster is. You don't see them screw each other over just for a percentage. So that really brings up the forefront that. Um, these monsters aren't. It brings up the idea that maybe we aren't as maybe we are worse than these people, because later in the movie, it shows that these aliens, these xenomorphs, do have a queen, an actual mother that takes care of them, and rate or takes care of, I say in quotation marks, gives birth to them, and it sends them out to kill us, um, and that character is seen to have more justification for their action. This disgusting, horrible monster that is only out to kill us versus an actual human being. The monster has more empathy and justification because you can see it's a mother and it's trying to protect its young versus him who only wants money and doesn't care about other people's lives. It's a very nice conflict that gives argument to maybe we aren't the better species, I say as I'm talking about a race that is only formed to kill people. These are the questions that Aliens actually brings up, and makes you think about after you've watched these movies. As I conclude here, uh, I want to re-emphasize that these movies are quite classics, and if you have not seen them, please do. Um, They are arguably the, in my opinion, they are my favorite horror movies, and it's probably the best colliding of horror and sci-fi elements that has ever been done i haven't even i've been talking for over 15 minutes and i haven't even mentioned the amazing practical effects and the storytelling or the parallels between ripley and the alien queen of them both being mothers and trying to protect their youngs there's so much to dive into with these movies um that it's you could talk about it for years and probably still be missing things. And I do hope that for future installments they can get back to that you know, feeling of being scared of these um, alien creatures and these monsters. Other materials that have come out of Aliens haven't really lived up to the original too. The only one that kind of came close was a video game in 2014 called Alien Isolation. follows the story of Ripley's daughter, As she boards the Nostromus and, of course, is confronted by the alien, the xenomorph. Alright, I just want to thank you all for listening. If you want to know more about the sci fi and horror themes I have talked about, I will leave links in the description of the articles. And thank you for listening.